Crawlers. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where you may have noticed I'm not so chipper, excited. There's no powerful intro into this, and that's because, well, probably for the first time in quite a while, there is a division on our topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a disturbance in the force, Daniel? There is a disturbance <laughs> in the force. It's a time and, of civil war. <laughs> it is. It is a time of civil war. Uh, I really appreciate the fact that Krebs is wearing a Star Wars hat. None of you can see this, but maybe one day you will. Uh, but we are tonight, we're going to be, or this episode, we're going to be talking or discussing the Disney Plus series Andor. Uh, we've talked about Obi-Wan, we've talked about The Mandalorian, and Book of Boba, uh, and now it's time to talk about Endor, uh, which is very interesting because for the first time in quite a while, like I said, there is division in the ranks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a civil war. There is two differing opinions, and, well, Matai is a little bit in, in the middle. So for those of you that don't know who's on the show, there's myself, Daniel. We've got Krebs and Matai. And it's very interesting because Krebs and I are Star Wars fans, but we're on the opposite sides of the fence. And and we the- we usually line up pretty pretty solidly yeah. on these things. We'll have we'll have slightly different opinions about very specific elements, but we'll often um I find that Daniel will point things out to me that I didn't notice and that will like enhance my perspective. Uh we've had little conversations all along the way as Andor was released week by week. And uh I was genuinely surprised if not a little aghast at how polarized we are in our opinions opposite it's, it's very interesting other. on this one it is yes so, absolutely yeah so with that said we're going to jump into this we're going to talk about Andor. if you have not seen it i'm going to put it out there spoiler uh, that you know this will probably be a spoiler episode where we will probably spoil some things for absolutely. you absolutely uh at Fair enough. It has been a couple weeks now since the final episode. No, may, may, no, it's been a week. Excuse me. A week since the final episode ha- has been released. Uh, so it is fairly conceivable or possible that you haven't watched the entire series yet. And if that if you haven't, I, I'm OK with that. You know, it, it, it's it's OK. Uh, definitely watch it before you come back and listen to the show. And, you know, as always, we'd love for your opinions. So. Yeah, and this is the largest Star Wars series. This is the largest original series that Disney Plus has put out at 12 episodes. Uh, I I should say original live action series. Yes. I I don't know of another live action series that has that that exceeds 12 episodes. Correct. Uh, I think they're using, you know, kind of the the English standard. Uh, It seems like uh, I mean, like British or British standard. Mm -hmm. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, their TV series tend to be like that 10 to 12 episodes. Yeah, um, it's unlike... very short seasons. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're almost always like powers of two, where it's like it's either going to be four or eight episodes. Maybe yeah. sometimes <laughs> you'll get 10, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you're watching Luther with Idris Elba, man, that just sucks. It's like four oh episodes gosh. and the season is over and you're like, what the heck? Uh, Daniel, do you like Luther? Oh, yes. I love Luther. Okay, so yes. we're back on the same ground again. That's cool. Okay, yeah. and Superman is my spirit animal, so both of you Lex lovers, I hate now. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> Why? Uh, Sherlock was, I think, four episodes per season. Although uh, yeah. Every, uh, yeah. every episode, every episode was, like was the length a of a film. 
was a feature yeah. length movie. Yeah. And that was incredible. But we're not talking about the BBC no. tonight. No, we're not. No, no we're, we're not. not. No. We're talking about yeah, you know me. and Star Wars. <laughs> oh, Dad, so. Josh, thank that you. was. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> I... Oh, man, you're just too white to make that reference. Anyway, uh... <laughs> thanks for playing the race card. you can edit it out later that's okay it's two of us are brothers two of us are gingers all three of us are caucasian we're having a good time yes yes so how about that andor so so, uh but before uh before we get to talking about the episode i believe krebs had uh something involving yoda he wanted to share Oh, yeah. I so this is an interesting little tidbit, uh, you know, because sometimes they do behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, uh, there they they had the like the whole Yoda arc, like puppet and everything on stage. But they but they had him like in character and stuff. And they showed a remastering of the original Star Wars. Well, you know, the special edition Star Wars. Yeah. In 4K. And do you know, do you know what Yoda said when he saw himself in 4K? No. What do you say? HDMI. And early brownie points uh, for Krebs's dad joke. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I want you to know, Matthew put me up to that, and I took on the challenge. I took on the challenge. Man. Just to get us kicked off on the right note, uh, subjectively. So. What uh, so I think that I want to do this in kind of like a debate format. And so let's take a moment here and each of us give their take their opinion 30 seconds or so on uh, just really brief explain your position on Andor and then we're going to dive into some other questions. Sure. Uh, For me, I um, I remember saying, I wish we had more character development in some of these Star Wars stories. They're so special effects heavy, and we just don't spend time getting to know these characters very well. Well, I got what I asked for, and I regret it. Uh, so <laughs> there was there was the, the pacing on the show, I thought, was... Um, was somewhat schizophrenic it uh maybe bipolar is a better diagnosis there perhaps uh i thought that there were some episodes that really really dragged on but there was lots of character development then there was finally some action and things moved the story moved along and i liked that so for me it was a mixed bag there was a lot of good stuff in there still i absolutely love the production values but in the end Cassie and Andor is a minor character that has shown up in one movie so far. I think they could have done it justice with six episodes like Obi-Wan was. And I really wish that Obi-Wan had had more episodes because I would love to watch more of that. Let's go to the uh, Krebs. Okay. So totally hear what you're saying. Respect and understand your perspective. I utterly adore this series and i realize of all the people that we have hosting this show i'm probably the one who says that the most i think i'm probably the easiest to please just generally (laughs) speaking i think i'm the easiest to be entertained that said though i have very specific reasons why i think this series is phenomenal one of them being the production value the production value was absolutely exquisite throughout the entire uh season and I am going to make the bold statement that I believe 
this original series has done more for the Star Wars universe as a whole than any other live action addition to the Star Wars uh, IP, to the Star Wars um What's what I'm looking for? Uh, it's done more for the franchise? Star Wars universe. Yeah, the franchise. Thank you. It's done more for the Star Wars universe as a fran- than any other live action entry in the franchise in the last 20 years. All right, Daniel. Wow. Okay. First off, I, I might go a little bit more than 30 seconds. Okay. Uh, I, I definitely... We haven't started the debate yet. Just right. tell I us what you think. I appreciate each of your thoughts and opinions and they're yours and you know that is the nice thing about our show is you know even though when we have different in opinions we still appreciate those yes however here here's the thing i think this is probably the worst star wars thing in ever it was a it would have been a great science fiction film with a hint of star wars that's literally what i feel like it is it has poor character development it has characters that we try to develop that I just could care less about. I don't care about Andor. I don't care about his mom. I don't care about Mon Mothma. I don't care that she has a bad marriage. I don't care that her, her daughter doesn't like her. There, there was nothing to make me care about any of these characters. And it wasn't until the final episode that I'm like, oh, wow, this is kind of Star Wars. Because you finally see some stormtroopers. You finally see some Star Wars ships. Otherwise, the rest of it just could have been some sci-fi film out there with this really subpar character that was supposed to be a, a makeshift Han Solo that mm. failed utterly. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So there you have it, folks. You've kind of heard our uh, positions on this. Just a brief review of the series itself. I'll echo what Daniel said. If you have not watched the series yet, um, this is the point where we're going to start getting into spoilers. Yes. So uh, you've heard our our brief review. I would recommend that you pause it now if you haven't seen Andor. Go watch the uh, series and then come back and listen to us and say if you agree or not. Uh, otherwise, proceed at your own risk. Yeah. So with that, the first question is, what did the Andor series get right? As, and from a perspective of the Star Wars universe, uh what did they get right let's start with daniel i will what did they get right they gave andy circus another chance <laughs> i mean that is probably the only highlight of my uh, of this series seeing andy circus come back in he played a great character uh, he seriously can do no wrong but True i statement. feel like but even then, I feel like they shortchanged him. Like, he does all this amazing stuff. He rises up, you know, frees everyone from this prison colony, which because they find out they're all going to be killed, only to say, I can't swim. Like, really? What a way to hose a guy. But otherwise, you know, he, he was a fantastic character, a very strong character, one that didn't need a lot of development. I mean, from the second he shows up, you know who he is. You know his motivation. You know uh, his strengths and his weaknesses. And you know he's a pivotal character, which I loved about his that character. The rest of the characters just never felt that strong. They always just kind of felt flat. But I think that's, for me, that's the only thing they did right. 
All right. Mm, so Daniel says they brought uh, bringing Andy Circus back was uh, um, was something they did great. All right, Krebs. I for me, there was a ton about this show that I think they got right. But the number one thing that kept me hooked and that I just kept gushing about every episode, and I do mean every episode. Uh, you can ask my wife; she will confirm. Uh, this is for me the thing that they got absolutely a million percent right, and I think better than any other Star Wars installment ever is that this is the most lived in Star Wars universe I've ever seen. It's like it actually felt organic. It felt real. The Aura Besh felt cultural. The the things they did on Ferrix, even like taking someone, condensing them down to a brick and adding them to the structure, it had cultural significance. The things that they did, um, you know, uh, trying uh, the way that the Empire was sort of choking out the uh, native, the Aldani, um, on the other planet, like everything looked organic, everything looked believable. None of it at any time looked like it was some crabbed set, uh, with it, with the exception of some of the more claustrophobic uh, streets in on Ferrix. But even those felt organic and that believable. was intentional. Yeah, that was intentional, right? Everything you and they started using all sorts of terms that were not previously in the Star Wars universe. Corpos, for example, um, where. Because of the way they use them contextually, they didn't just browbeat you over the head with the definitions of things. They just did things in an immersive fashion. This is the most lived in, believable version of Star Wars I've ever seen. All right. So for those of you that don't know, I just want to throw it out there that Andy Serkis played Snoke in Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Uh, so he he did all the... Uh, the, he did the voice for the character and the uh, stop animation for it. Um, so uh, motion capture, you mean? Yeah, he motion did the he did the performance. Yeah, yeah there's actually a really cool. I, I saw a reel recently where they had a like a, a vertical side by side, if you will, uh, of the finished product of Snoke when he like force calls Ray's yeah. lightsaber, and the, and beneath that they have Andy Serkis with the motion with the facial capture equipment yeah. and like the performance capture, and he's sitting like all canted in the throne and then the lightsaber comes flying out from out of frame and he catches it without even looking. He just dink catches it in his hand as if Snoke would. And it wasn't yeah. like on a wire or anything like they, they shot that thing at him and he just caught it without even looking. Yeah. It was, that's it awesome. was beautiful. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, you know, the, the thing that I had a problem with, you know, I, I do appreciate that they tried to make it look that it was lived in. Like you mentioned, the thing that really, didn't feel star wars is first off we have security guards that aren't even in official imperial outfits they're in this weird awkward blue um and they don't really explain that uh we well, they kind of see... do though they kind of because they're not they're not imperial soldiers you're corpus i'm sorry right? i cut you off i will i will come no, to fine. you after your point i'm sorry no, you're Go fine I, I get it I, I get that they're corpos but they're still a segment of the imperial army okay uh you know, because I, I get it. The galaxy is massive. They can't have people on everything. However, we've seen set up on multiple planets uh, throughout various different series. Yeah, you know, like Star Wars Rebels. There is always officials on every planet that are dressed in, you know, the Imperial Navy uniforms. We don't see any of those. We we don't even see any of those till the ISB shows up. So, and there were... There was 
no stormtroopers there. Uh, it was just really off-putting. And then not only that, you know, Cassian goes off and he's running around in the forest. And like it just felt so odd. It did not feel like Star Wars to me from the beginning. It felt a lot like, you know, a uh, caravan of courage. You know, where they crash landed <laughs> with a bunch of Ewoks and, you know, it was sort of Star Wars-y. Uh, you know, I was expecting Let- Wilford Brimley to show up at some time, but he didn't. <laughs> Would have been great. Well, he's As a force dead. ghost. <laughs> As I was yeah. All right. Uh, so, Krebs, you get a 60 second rebuttal. Uh, first of all, when you said that Andor was like the worst thing that, that's ever come up for the Star Wars series, I was going to ask you, even worse than Caravan of Courage, really? Um, it, yeah, it, but it's, well, OK, there is excuse me. There is one thing worse than that, which is the Christmas special. But I was okay. also going to oh, challenge. Well, no, the Christmas one. special is so bad. It's good. Uh, so I actually would to rate degree. that higher than Caravan of Courage myself. But. <laughs> so so to to rebut the point you just made, um, I uh, the way that I understood the corpos and the way that it played out for me, first of all, their uniforms, their whole setup reminded me a ton of the security that we see Lando use on Cloud City on Bespin. And this is going to be like the local authority, right? And the, and the corpos, I understood to be like an independent security force that belonged particularly to that planet, or perhaps they, they're they privatized security, but they still fall under, they're, they're not part of the empire. They are members of the empire. And when I say not part of the empire, they're not part of the empire authority. Well, it's, it's like right? contractors, the it's same like way contract. the government yeah. uses them now. But but in, in a way, they're sort of like the, the minor leaguers and the empire is like the major leaguers and the empire has... Uh, overriding authority so they come in they dissolve the corporate the corporate security they replace them with actual imperial troops because the corpos are not imperials uh, at least not uh, official imperial military mm-hmm. so i was okay i was okay with that structure so uh so for the first question i'm going to award daniel uh five points Oh, heck, let's be generous. Ten. You get ten points because we all agree we love Andy Serkis. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> so Daniel takes that point. Uh, for the next thing, um, one of the things about this series is that it's showing the impact of the Empire on normal citizens. How does this affect citizens? We see people that are sycophants to the Empire and people who can't stand it, but they have... They feel powerless and just kind of put up with it. And then you've got people that want to resist. Um, so from that standpoint, uh, first of all, am I correct in my in remembering there were no Jedis or any force users in this? Not explicitly. No, correct? which I'm okay with. Yeah. But that, yeah. that and that's what I want to ask about next. This is the everyman story. These are just regular everyday people. So we, you've mentioned several different settings, planets, and events that happened. Which character do you feel resonated with you best and why? Out of all the stories that are in here, these are regular mm. people living under the Empire. If you were living under the Empire, which character would be most like you? And it doesn't have to be the same gender. Uh, let's start with Krebs this time. Which character did I resonate with most? Um, gosh, dang, that's a tough one. You know what? Uh, I, I I'm going to struggle with some of the names that weren't major major people in the show, but mm-hmm. like I think his name was like Crean or Breen or something like that. The <laughs> not Neil Breen. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, 
the um he played the guy that challenged Andor well, Cassian when he first joined the rebels. Um and he challenged him multiple times. He had very much like a, a fellow inmate type mentality. Um, I'm trying to remember what his name is. I'm going to look it up just really quick here. But anyway, at first, I, I not just I, I don't know if I resonated with him more than I just respected and really appreciated him. I liked him a ton. I liked the boyfriend of Bix. I think maybe. I identified with him most because he was just sort of like the everyman guy working hard, loves his woman. Um, but like she has a past that she can't quite get away from. And he's very invested in that. He ends up dying like first or second. episode. I think it was second episode um, trying to uh, trying to like insert himself between the Imperials and um and her being arrested. Maybe it was the, yeah, it was the Imperials. So yeah, I, I liked him a ton too. So uh, either I'm trying to, I'm still trying to find the character names here, but uh, the list of the list of actors in this show is actually quite lengthy. Um, but yeah, I, I think I resonated in part with uh, his fellow rebel when they were on uh, the planet with the Aldani and with the boyfriend of Bix who would die trying to uh, prevent her from being arrested. All right, Daniel. See, that's that's the problem with this series. Is I didn't resonate with any of the characters. None of the characters invested me enough to care. Um, I mean, I didn't even feel any. The series never evoked any emotion out of me until the final episode, mm. and that was where you see the hologram of Cassian's mother. Mm. You know, saying "Rise up," you know, "Wake up." That's like the first time in the entire series I actually felt some emotion. I mean, there were there was no excitement, you know, even when they're they're still on the payroll. I, I didn't feel any like, oh wait, yay, it's a heist movie. Well, we've already seen a heist movie with with uh, Cassian in it, uh, and that didn't turn out very well. Uh, so it just it didn't invoke anything for me. Even the guys out in the bush that he hung out with for a while, um, the guy. Oh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he, he he's also in Thor. Um, that he's the guy that finds oh, him. Yeah, uh, that uh, the actor is Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah, and he plays Luthen. Yeah, mm -hmm. Luthen. I mean, I, I didn't even like Luthen's character, and it's just I just I wanted to like this series. I wanted to find a character that's like, wow, I really like that character. You know, uh, Rogue One. We had a bunch of non-force users really in that, and you still found characters that you liked. Um, you know, uh, the guy that's kind of, the blind guy that's, I am the, I'm the one with the fourth, the forces with me, uh, by Donnie, mm -hmm. what's his name? Donnie, Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen. Man, I, I, he didn't do a lot, but you love that guy. You were invested in him. And when he finally does his heroic, you know, walk out into the field to go pull the switch and turn on, uh, you know, the communications relay, you're, you're drawn in and I just never felt drawn in the closest I came was Andy Serkis's character, but I still, it wasn't enough because they, they blew him off at the very end. Yeah. And the guy, by the way, the guy that they were on uh, uh, with the um, Aldani, uh, the guy that I liked at first that ended up like betraying the whole group Yeah. Uh, later. I liked him until that moment. I liked him a lot until that moment. That is uh, Arvel Skeen. Skeen. Skeen, that's right. 
But yeah, no, yeah. I hear what you're saying too. Like, like uh, you know what's interesting is there were multiple characters in Rogue One that I really liked. And I think that Donnie Yen's character is one that resonates with a lot of people or, mm -hmm. or that a lot of people can look up to. And almost no one can tell you his name. Like they can tell you it's Donnie Yen. But what's the character's name? Like you've got Han, you've got Luke, you've got Chewie, you've got Leia, you've got it, Ben. Was you know, it Chirrut or is that the it's other Chirrut. guy? It's Chirrut. It's Chirrut. Yeah, I, I have Chirrut. I, I have his hol his holocron crystal, which I don't know why they gave him a holocron crystal when he's not a Jedi. But he's almost did. a Jedi. He's force yeah. sensitive. He's but, force attuned. Force attuned. But he wouldn't have recorded a holocron. But that—that's neither here nor there. Yay, Disney! But um, I just couldn't remember his name. Uh, but I do remember it, it is Chirrut. And now, he's like a great D Daniel, you said something. You said that you didn't really like feel any emotions to the last episode, which I totally understand. But but let's hang on a second. I want to take okay. a look at like the Android B2 EMO, which by the way, I made a joke multiple times watching this by my wife. I'm like, could you be two emo? Um, but uh, <laughs> okay. the, the, the sad little droid that's just trying his best. Did you not feel like a little kicked puppy emotion for him? No, no. I felt like I felt like they were the beat up uh, droids from a uh, black hole. Uh, I just, <laughs> I, just even, I know what you mean I just couldn't care about even him because I mean that that's something at least with all the droids even okay BB-8 I, I, I'm not a huge fan of BB-8 but BB-8 still does stuff that makes you endearing to him you know that one time when you know Flynn's talking to him and he pokes out the little torch and it looks like a thumbs up or or a middle finger know, that's and, how i interpreted it <laughs> yeah or he's you know he does these little things you know r2 everyone loves r2 because R2's he's a, a wise cracking he, uh, he i mean he's a war veteran let's just r2 is it. a gosh dang hero yeah, <laughs> yeah. even 3po that constantly complains we we love and adore him k2so i mean from the moment you know he slams Jin Erso on the ground, like <laughs> we're here to rescue you. To, I mean, that's I know that's not the exact line, but a lot of droids in these series, they have something that you know, it's like, man, I love that. This droid was just like, where have you been? Why are you always leaving me? You know, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is like this. This droid needs uh, some antidepressants. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Uh, from that question, I'm going to have to uh, award it to Krebs. Krebs wins. Krebs wins that one because Daniel proves he doesn't have a soul by not uh, feeling empathy for poor B two EMO. It's the danger of us being gingers. So, so this is the problem. The problem is, is he was B two emo. You know, he was just. Come they did on. call him B two emo. That was a poor name choice. I admit that. I yeah. know. Yeah. It, it, not only that, you got to give him a personality. He was just so blah. So this series was many things all at once. It was a fugitive film, Cassian mm -hmm. running from the Empire, because the opening of the first episode, right? Uh, you had a political drama with Mon Mothma trying to um, blunt the worst of the Empire. You had... Um, little bit I, I don't know, it's not quite spy thriller but you had isb you know mm -hmm. the isb was out searching for people you had a uh a, a heist uh and you had a jailbreak um and uh to some and, and even a brief uh space battle mm -hmm. uh in in all of this very brief but kind of awesome yeah 
and so there was a lot of different things in this. Let's talk about the political side of things. So before as- you move on, though, how many points do I get for the bard? Oh, 10. Sorry. Thank I'm you. Uh, I am keeping score. Worry not. Worry well, not. So am I. Go on. <laughs> Uh, so uh, compare this to other political spy thrillers. Um, and I this is a two-part question. I am interested in how you felt in isolation of the Mon Mothma storyline and the ISB uh, storyline with uh, Deidre. Oh, what's her last name? Uh, yeah, D- uh, Deidre. Oh, gosh. I had it just a second ago, too. But you, you, I'll tell Miro. you. I know. Deidre yeah, Miro. Miro. Yeah, Miro. Yeah. Uh, so she was, you know, hot on the trail, did some great detective work. It's really too bad. She's a Nazi. Uh, so <laughs> what, uh, Love her hater. She sure to catch a lot of rebels. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, of those two storylines, um, what, forget this is a star Wars thing. How just those two storylines, what did you think of those as political suspense thrillers, Daniel? So as far as okay, we're 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 just saying this is a science fiction film. Sure. The ISB storyline was a stronger storyline in my opinion. You know, there were there the even in the little conference room, the, the confrontations and conversations that went back and forth helped to solidify some of what was going on in, with the Empire, you know, what they were trying to do, what they were trying to quell, stuff like that that gave me more information about what was really going on in this time frame than the Mon Mothma story. I could care less that she had a, you know, like I've already said, I could care less that she was struggling with her husband or, and her daughter hated her. And, you know, I could care less that she was, you know, smuggling funds around and needed to hook up with some bad guy to, to help out. And now her, her daughter's getting hooked up with his kid. It, it just didn't feel real. And, I just couldn't buy into it, which is really sad because when Mon Mothma has appeared in the other films, it's been like, oh, I know who that is. I'm excited. Now I'm I, I, I'm less excited and invested in that character. I've always enjoyed, you know, enjoyed that character. The character of Mon Mothma we saw in Clone Wars is a much more rich character than the Mon Mothma we saw in this. I feel like they ruined the character. They degraded her in such a way that. I just I, I don't like the character any longer. The ISB storyline at least gave me like, OK, I can respect what that character is doing. I can I can see why the character is going this route or doing this or challenging those things. So in my opinion, that is the stronger storyline. All right. Krebs. Uh, where I agree with Daniel is I think that the ISB storyline was sort of better fleshed out or or we got more meat and potatoes with it in in the in the condensed scope of Cassian Andor's storyline, yes. right? Um, where Dan and I disagree is, and I've had to think about this a little bit, but the Mon Mothma story, though protracted and drawn out a bit, uh, I actually think is awesome because if you look at Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi or any of the places where Mon Mothma has appeared in the live action films, she shows up as like this regal figurehead a la 
Queen Elizabeth or, or yeah, Queen Elizabeth. Right. And she's, she's this great little figurehead. And then she like gives directions and then she says like five lines and that's all we get. And all we know is that she's the leader of the rebellion. That's, that's kind of like all we get out of the movies where she's concerned. And she has this very interesting shortcut hair. Right. Uh, and she tells us many Bothans died to bring us this information. What I like about the Mon Mothma story here is we get to see the depth of her personal sacrifice, that her marriage, which is Chandrillan um, uh, tradition, right? Her marriage is one that is like toxic and sabotorial behind the scenes. And it's it's this very careful game of intrigue. Her daughter, who means so much to her, is actually more leaning toward her husband's side. So in that, she's like losing her child. And now she has to make a deal with the proverbial devil where she follows Chandrillan uh, um I just said it, tradition. And she basically sells off her child in order to keep the rebellion going. She only made that sacrifice because the rebellion could not go forward without funding. And she couldn't get the funding without making this deal with the devil. And it broke her heart to do that. But she's making all of these personal sacrifices while maintaining her cover, while funding the rebellion. It adds so much dimension to Mon Mothma for me. What, what about the ISB part? In terms of the ISB, I know Daniel has some comments on this too, but yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're back to, we'll get back to that. In terms of the ISB part, yes, it is a stronger um, story. What I liked about it was that it showed me the internal workings of the empire in a way that I'd never seen before. You get to see some of the hierarchy. You get to see some of the like the political struggle internally, the red tape. Uh, they got some great actors for this. They even have an actor right now that looks like someone who was in A New Hope in 1977. It's brilliant. Um uh, the thing the, the one the one caveat that I have to the, the criticism that I have is that there were points where Deidre um, made these like logical leaps where I th there were a couple times where I'm like, how did you get there? Like they tried to explain it and stuff, but she's kind of just taking like a leap of faith, but she makes it sound like fact or like she's thought this through and tactically this is what would happen. It's like, I'm not sure you've actually established that that's a realistic thought. Um, and so there were certain leaps of logic that didn't make sense even when they tried to explain it, like how would you get there? But that aside, um, I really liked it for showing the inner workings of the empire and breathing life into an otherwise sterile visage. Uh, Daniel, 30 seconds. No, I mean, I think that's valid points. You know, the jumps in her thought process was something that I, I caught on. But this is the thing with Mon Mothma that really irks my hide is, you know, Bell Organa never had to make those sacrifices, never had to compromise his own integrity to be able to further the rebellion you know and that's what really strikes such a negative chord with mon mothma with me where i feel like they did this to, it it really unravels a lot of, of the star wars game because the rebels are fighting for a cause so why is she get, selling her daughter off into slavery isn't that the, the exact thing that they're fighting against in the empire so it just does not fit or go very well with me uh, Mon Mothma sold off her daughter so that nobody else would have to. <laughs> All right. Um, but Bail Organa didn't have to do that. Well, yeah, his daughter was arrested by the Empire, and before he could do anything about it, the Empire blew his planet up. You're right, but she was arrested. He he didn't sell her off. He um, didn't sell her off, but she was arrested, and he had to find some way to get her out and couldn't because, you know, they're all dead now. Yeah. 
So with uh, this one, I actually really liked this storyline in some cases more than the Andor storylines. <laughs> uh, and I saw the ISB uh, Deidre's uh, work there and Mon Mothma's, Mothma's as being foils. Uh, they were in some way complementary but opposite. And so you get more understanding of each of those characters in comparison with the other, both of them being very strong women dealing with uh, opposition and being very passionate about achieving their goals. One fighting for the rebellion, one fighting for the empire. And so uh, this question is worth uh, 30 points and they go to Matai. <laughs> <laughs> and the points don't matter. <laughs> you're catching on <laughs> all right um so uh we're talking about about Deidre and um for me she was probably the character I hated the most so out of all the characters they introduced in in this including droids which character did you love to hate out of all oh, of them. All right. Oh, oh, we'll, we'll go to, we'll go to that I That I really love to hate. Mm -hmm. That'd be Cassie and Andor. I, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I, I dislike the character. I mean, okay. This series starts out the same way Rogue One does. He shoots someone. Like, why? Why does he have to shoot someone? I, it's just, it seems like a repeat. And I get it. They're trying to make him out to be the bad boy. He, you know, he's trying to be the next Han Solo, and he just isn't. Cassie and, was shot first. Yeah, <laughs> um, I just don't yeah. like the character. He he's shot not first lovable. and second, but yeah, he's yeah. not lovable. There is nothing about this character in this series or in Rogue One that makes me want to know more about him. I really don't care about him. I want, you know, I, again, I'd rather watch Mon Mothma selling her daughter off and her nephew off and, you know, and having fights with her husband and watching another second with him. Wow. That All is right, deep and bitter. I, I, <laughs> I salute you, sir. Um, the, the character that I love to hate is Cyril's mom. Uh, she Ooh. is such a spectacular archetype. Uh, she, she definitely, uh, where's the stole of a few uh, stereotypes slash tropes, but they're based on real life stereotypes and real life tropes, right? We could actually take, we could, we could look at her and all of us know at least one parent, usually the mother or the grandmother or the aunt or somebody along that line, some, some matrilineal line uh, that has that exquisite power of building you up with their own expectations and filling you full of guilt when you don't meet them, right? Uh, going back to a question you asked earlier about which character do you identify with most, I hadn't really considered Cyril, but I, I thought about it some more. And I'm like, you know what? I know what it's like to pine after uh, a woman for whom you hold immense respect uh, and even attraction and just not have that returned at all. And I know what it's like. I, I, I totally admit this. I'm a little bit of a wannabe cop. Like I've done, I've done some very lightweight, high level civilian level training for law enforcement and stuff. I absolutely adore 
all of that type of stuff. And I watched Cyril, who's trying so hard to be a major leaguer, and he's stuck in the minor leagues, and he has that dream ripped away from him. I kind of totally identify with him. And the more I think about it, and I hate to admit it because he's kind of a slug in this in this series, but I kind of totally identify with Cyril. Oh, by the way, Matai and I have a way better mom than he does. Way better. Yes, but, <laughs> I will agree. Yeah, yeah just Daniel there. there. Daniel yeah, I mean, his mom is a lot like uh, Umbridge from Harry Potter. In, in ways, yeah. It's so... She she delivers that nasty dagger strike with a smile and sweet all the time, but you know yeah. what I, I have to say uh, going in, uh, as one of the things that I thought they got right the writing and the dialogue in this series is exquisite and her delivery of every freaking line that she says in this show is so precise and surgically placed to do the most cutting damage while 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 being defensible will give him plausible deniability that she's mm -hmm. trying to build her son up, not tear him down, but she's really breaking him down so he can fit the mold she has for him. Yeah. It's brilliant. And, and wow. I really want to know what's what food he was eating with the blue milk. I mean, it said yeah. that they, they have cereal now in star Wars. It was like, cocoa Puffs. Well, they got blue milk. Might as well. Yeah. Have. It's space frosted flakes. Yeah, they were uh, consistent was, with the blue it, milk too. They were consistent. It was it was round. It was something, but all it right, was just, well, it was just Skittles. That yeah, question probably. was worth thirty points, and it gets divided between the two of you. Right. Uh, so fifteen each, because those were both very good answers. Uh, okay, uh, next question is how? What did this show add to the Star Wars lore? That we haven't seen. Oh my gosh! Yet, where do we uh, begin? I can. I mean, I can jump in. Yeah, go for it. Um, well, we know where parts of the Death Star came from. <laughs> mega, mega spoiler, but yes, like, oh I my mean, gosh! Tell me, I tell mean, me that really, you love that moment. Tell me you love that moment. I mean that 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 end credit scene was spectacular. You know, because we've all wondered, we've all seen that, you know, no one has really explained how they they constructed the Death Star without everyone knowing. Well, we know they used convicts and then they killed them. So, I mean, that that added to the Star Wars lore. Um, and I'm, I'm trying not to be really negative, but man, this no, 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 no. go ahead. This show is just it, it was really hard. I don't feel. It gave us some breadcrumbs about the rebellion. It showed us how they're building the Death Star. But beyond that, I don't think it adds anything to the Star Wars universe other than we get to see some of the unrest. We get to see that the Empire did not sweep in and take full total control. Uh, but we already knew that. We that Otherwise, we wouldn't have had the rebellion. We, we saw that in Star Wars Rebels. So I don't really think that it added much to the Star Wars universe, and which is the really sad thing. It had the potential to add stuff. No, Obi-Wan. We saw Obi-Wan. That added lore. That added material and information to the Star Wars universe. You know, the Mandalorian. Even Book of Boba, which I know not a lot of people loved everything, it still added to mm -hmm. Star Wars. I felt like this did just really didn't add a lot. Now maybe that will change in season two, which is hopeful, but I don't think so. But uh, I don't feel like it added much. But I'm sure Krebs will tell me otherwise. 
Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly disagree. Uh, I do agree with what you said about um, uh, about the things that you mentioned that were, that were added. But uh, okay, so here we go. Ready? They added the planet Ferrix. I don't know if that was mentioned previously in the expanded universe or in Clone Wars, but the culture that was there, we talked about this previously, the culture there was extremely well fleshed out. They... Uh, they added funereal rites. They added um, how uh, a populace, like Matthew said, uh, builds up under the frustration of of being choked by the Empire. And you get to see that slow burn to rebellion. I think that was really awesome. We got to see an android, B2 Emo again, that was actually like, usually you see droids in Star Wars and they're either fully functioning or they're being disintegrated, but you don't see them like in some sort of middle state usually unless, you know, damage is being repaired. This is an android that wasn't damaged. He was just breaking down from life. He was just old and dying from use but we got to see like another part of the android life cycle we got to see uh the aldani which was a completely new race for me personally but they had a real culture they had uh tradition and they had um ceremony they had a, a whole festival over the eye uh that would that would fly over the planet right the, this incredible meteor storm we got to hear cassian andor talk about the mechanics of flying a, a vessel that has a certain amount of weight and how you have to fight against that it was very mechanical very sort of like realistic and believable we got to see a nav computer that actually did its freaking job in the star wars universe uh which is something that we saw a little bit, bit of in solo but it wasn't i don't think as well done as what we saw in um in uh stellan skarsgård's ship like that nav computer was an incredible addition to the ship and actually fits existing lore from decades ago we got to see uh, that Cassian belonged to this other tribe of people, this other culture. They spoke a completely different language. The language was organic. It was believable. It was linguistic. It had diphthongs. It had rules. Uh, we got to see how their um, we got to see uh, the differences between the empire and how they treat the people that they that they rule. Oh, the empire justice system, the way that they sort of rush people through to Ugh. become prisoners, which I think this goes back to Dan's point. I think it was about fueling that project for the Death Star. They were looking for convicts, but the way that they handle that, the way that they manipulate everything that you say, I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And then the prison system, the prison system where they're on this septagonal, it's, it's a septagon, not a hexagon, not an octagon, it's a septagon. The septagonal island it was pure genius how they built that system and it gave it robbed you of hope and as we know from dave filoni hope is the magic sauce in all of star wars uh it, i thought and then you get to see those parts my wife and i were debating is that for tie fighters is that and then it ended up being part of the death star and it was brilliant you got to see how the death star was pulled apart because the death star laser is essentially a giant lightsaber uh powered by kyber crystals right uh we got to see so much of those pieces from culture to execution and to system that was never before revealed in previous star wars iterations all right, oh, we're going to oh. just run real quick through this 30 seconds, Daniel. Uh, Star Wars Rebels. That's all That's all you need to know. That that <laughs> We saw all that in Star Wars Rebels. All of that you just explained was seen through the four seasons of Star Wars Rebels, and they did a much better job at that. Uh, we got to see ISB in there. We got to see Thrawn. We got to see several planets besides Lothal struggling under, uh, you know, the the oppression of the Empire. Uh uh, yeah, I. That's why I feel like it wasn't anything different because we'd already seen that. It didn't add any flavor anymore. You know, it, I was trying to look up, but I guess Ferrix was created for the series, so uh, that is the what edition is we now have the planet Ferrix. Um, you know, I do, I do like the culture. 
but you know, that's, that's a minor spec. I don't feel like it added a lot. Um, but I will give you points for, for, you know, you know, the unique culture that we saw on the planet. All right. So, uh, this question is worth, it was just a quick, uh, little opinion was, uh, worth five points and, uh, Daniel gets five points for, uh, calling out the, uh, death star, uh, spoiler. If you guys, when you watch the series, if you didn't stay to watch the end credit scene, you missed it. Go back and watch last the episode. Credits the last post episode. Credits. Yeah. And, um, but Krebs made a lot of good points, uh, about some of the rest of the series. So he also gets five points. Thank you. I will say one thing. If you are watching that final episode, uh, it does have this really cool feature that allows you to skip to the end of the credits. So you can just skip all the credits to watch that clip. Disney like Plus has skip has skip recap, skip intro, and skip credits. Yeah, which I think <laughs> is a brilliant move. It is oh, genius. Nice. It's genius. That is nice. But they only put it up when there's an end credit scene. Yes. Good to know. Uh, all right. So we're up to our last question. Awesome. All right. The score is tied. Uh, Krebs has 30. Daniel has 30. Even Matai hmm. has 30. Oh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> How did that happen? I don't uh, know. Right. So the last question mm-hmm. worth one point. One point. <laughs> one whole point. One whole point. Give me a dollar. <laughs> um, <laughs> what if 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 you were in Kathleen Kennedy's chair? Mm-hmm. What is one thing you would have done differently that would have made this series better? All right. Uh... One thing. One thing. All right, Krebs. Uh, I would have condensed this series down to eight episodes. I think I think that a lot of the complaints that I've that I've heard just generally speaking have to do with how slow a burn it is. It every episode is extremely high quality and there are 12 episodes. And to your point, Matthew, uh, I think I would have rather have had 12 episodes of Obi-Wan or 12 episodes of Mando than to have uh, 12 episodes of, of Andor. But I think you could have told the entirety of what we saw in eight episodes in a, a far better pacing. Uh, so in other words, I, I would trim it down by a third and I think it would be uh, a sublime experience compared to what we have right now. Daniel. Oh, um, I would have brought in uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau. <laughs> uh, I think they would have told a much better story, uh, made us really like and care about these characters not that it was, I mean, if, it, let's face it, Star Wars is a tough gig. It's mm-hmm. very polarizing right now. You either like it or you don't, or you're in the middle. You know, there's not a lot of gray space like there used to be. Uh, fans are really uh, polarized. So my problem with this is it, it felt too Kathleen Kennedy and not enough Star Wars. So, you know, I, I, I just, it is kind of like with Rogue One, all the meddling with Solo and all the meddling that happened in there where it just did not feel like a traditional Star Wars series or film. Um, everything we've seen that Dave Filoni and John Favreau have touched has felt Star Wars. 
it has felt true to its nature. And I don't feel like this was. And I think that would be the biggest change I would ask for. Okay. So, so Krebs's point is that we should have had fewer ep- condensed the story into fewer episodes. And Daniel's point is we should have had uh, different writers that could have told a story that would be interesting and would have uh, resonated better with him. Uh, Daniel is right. Uh, but the one point goes to Joshua for repeating the uh, opinion I made as the moderator at the beginning of this discussion. So yay, Joshua! Oh, nepotism never fails. <laughs> wow, so Krebs, Krebs so, wins. So this next is... week, Matt Matai will not be returning to the show. No, just kidding. He'll be in Daniel's <laughs> trunk this time. <laughs> Actually, you're not wrong. Next week, I will be gone. <laughs> I know. That's why I was saying it that way uh, to pull that one up. Um, and know, and listeners, listeners. I'll be gone next week, but I can't come back unless you like and subscribe and uh, do all those things on the social medias. Bring, save, save the other crabs, save Matai. So the, there, I'm, I, there's one thing I want to bring up. And it, it, it's one pivotal thing in this series that just irked my hide. Mm. And that is, uh, okay, what's his name? Ship. So I, I mentioned his, uh, his name earlier. Oh, oh, oh. Uh... Uh, Luthen. Luthen? Yeah, Luthen's sh- ship. Like, seriously, if he can hook up his hot rod with dual lightsabers that shoot out the side and you just corkscrew, why didn't he just go to the Rebels and say, hey, I got this really cool design, let's do it. We can take out every <laughs> TIE fighter in the Imperial Navy. We can just fly well, past the Star Destroyers and just, just rip it up. Come there was on. a kyber crystal shortage. They don't know where the kyber crystals went and that they had no idea to end up inside of a that's not a moon, it's a space station type idea. They had no okay. idea. So how did he get the his kyber crystals then? I don't know, but he was wearing one on his necklace. So Yeah, yeah. So clearly he had at least three, if not more. Oh, that, he was an, that he's is... an antiquities dealer. He His job yeah. is to find rare uh, items throughout the galaxy. You know, uh, that, is, that is one thing that's been coming up in conversation is the idea that Luthen may be a secret or fallen Jedi, uh, which I find very interesting. Even like the scene where he's on the catwalk and the wind is blowing, he's like in his cloak that I was wait. I was waiting for the moment where he pulled a lightsaber. I was just, it was such a good moment. And that could be the case. And that's why he's able to do that. But again, he's part of the rebellion. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have taken much to say, Hey dude, I got this really cool idea. Even if it's like a fleet of five ships, that would still take out quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I I will say uh, as sort of like uh, in in conjunction with you, when I saw that scene where he like spins between the ties and he just blows them apart with these two side firing lasers that look mm-hmm. suspiciously like lightsabers. Yeah. Um. Uh. One thought I had was like, wait a second. Like like after it happened, I was like, oh my gosh! Like it was a very cool fanboy moment. But then afterward, I thought about it and I was like, hang on a second. Tie fighters are incredibly maneuverable, and it was almost like an Austin Powers steamroller moment where like he, he ignites these things out the sides. And they're just coming at him. And I'm just like, I don't know, maybe turn. I mean, there's all of space. <laughs> maybe, maybe dip down. Maybe maybe just like yeah. do a loop. Just like there, there's a lot you can do with a yeah. TIE fighter. It's highly maneuverable. Yeah. So maybe don't go into the fire and flames. Yeah. Well, and not only that, well, you know, why didn't he share his knowledge on, you know, how to destroy a tractor beam? Come on. I mean, that. That Han was actually. I would have appreciated that. 
So yeah. that was one of my favorite moments because for literally decades, I've been thinking about how would you sabotage a tractor beam? Or why wouldn't you just throw like lots of metal objects out of your yeah. ship to be sucked into the tractor beam? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? And then he had like this whole flechette system. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I feel so validated by that. I mean, that would have been easy to install on the Falcon. I mean, come on. Yeah, countermeasures. Countermeasures yeah. are important. I mean, come so, on, even, even Maverick has countermeasures in Top Gun. So my takeaway from this magnificent debate, gentlemen, thank mm -hmm. you very much for your points. My takeaway from this is that in a, pre a previous episode, uh, Daniel had said, let's have more Star Wars material where they visit other planets. This is a very broad universe. There's lots of characters. Yeah. Let's not let let's do a story that doesn't involve the Skywalker family in yes. some regard. And Andor does that. We, they introduce a few new planets. Um, they introduce a different perspective on the Empire. And uh, really, the only connection to the main Star Wars saga is secondhand. There's Cassie and Andor. Uh, and Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma actually does show up in there, but but Mon and Cassian never meet each other in this series. Uh, and Cassian Andor was a character created for Rogue One, which was simply a bridging movie, something, a prequel to the, a real prequel to uh, A New Hope. Uh, mm -hmm. So all this stuff is really <laughs> kind of at least two steps removed. Anyway, the whole point of this is that was something that Daniel had asked for. I asked for a series that focused a lot more on character development because I wanted to know more backstory, more information about the characters. And Krebs just wanted more Star Wars material. He was just, he wants to eat it all up. So the moral of the story, boys and girls. Be careful what you ask for. You <laughs> might get it. Uh, in, in the vein of what you were just saying, the one thing that I wanted prior to Cassian Andor was I wanted a Star Wars series that was longer than eight episodes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you got it. And I got it. So, so this is the thing. If they would have changed the casting and made another character that wasn't Cassian, this would have succeeded. I was honestly really surprised they chose Cassian Andor to make a whole series around. Yeah. He was he's been in one movie. And yeah, he was probably the most interesting character in that movie. Eh. But even still, uh, I think I, I really do I like your point, Daniel, that it would take a superb writer to take this one renegade character and make an interesting backstory. Yeah. See, I and I'm I'm over here like uh, I think the writing in this show was exquisite. To to Daniel's point about bringing in Favreau and Filoni, they're great storytellers, mm -hmm. uh, and they are good writers. But they have a team of writers to help them become better writers, right? Like it's it's writing is a team sport. Yeah. Um, and so. I think the writing in this show was actually exquisite, uh, but maybe the storytelling could use some tightening up. Well, you know, Jane Austen was a fantastic writer, but I really don't she? read she? a lot of, I really don't read a lot of Jane Austen. Uh, Pride, Prejudice and Zombies was the best one. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, so the point, I, I, you're, you're not wrong. Krebs. Uh, the writing in this actually did show a great deal of talent. There was a lot of storylines, and I felt they did a great balance between the storylines. I also felt that they gave me what I wanted. They developed a lot of the backstory, and not just Andor, but a few other people had some real depth and dimension to their characters. However, after having received it, I found I didn't want it. <laughs> yeah. This is not the Star Wars that these are not the Star Wars I was looking for. 
Yeah. Well, it, you know, and, and I get that there's going to be people out there like, yeah, this I love this. And, you know, and Krebs is one of those. The thing is, and this is what I see when I when I sit and analyze this. OK, so if you take let's let's take Empire Strikes Back. You look at that and you take Luke out of the equation. Can that story still move forward? And the question and you're replaced with someone else. The question is, no, you know, yeah, you take no Obi one you take Ewan McGregor out. It can't. It can't move forward. Now, nah. this story, you take Andor out and replace it with some completely different character. It can still move forward. That's a good point. It, it's because the character was not developed in a way that made you care about him. If he would have died, it would have been no, no tears would have been wet. But we know that was going to happen because he dies on Scarif. Mm hmm. You know, they didn't make you invest in the character. And that's one of the biggest rules in writing. You're If you're going to have a main character, you, you want them to invest, whether you hate him or love him. And I, I just couldn't hate him and I couldn't love him. I just felt so indifferent. Like you could totally put Bob Smith in there and cool. We'd still have the same story. So speaking of TV series, the other day I was talking with my therapist and I told him I couldn't escape this feeling that I was living in a TV show. Yeah. And he says that I should call him back if I have any further episodes. Cool. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Name, I thought is your name Truman? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you're gonna say True um, that. <laughs> I thought you were thought you were gonna say, uh, I'd like to talk to you more about that after this break. <laughs> yeah. that would have been good too that'll work as well so let's wrap this up uh just a yes or a no would you recommend watching this series to other star wars fans daniel i, I, I well i'm just gonna be honest because i've been doing it no Krebs. uh yes but I, I would probably preface it with with a caveat or two just to get them in the right mindset first and uh i would also say i would also say yes but only for Star Wars fans. For absolute, like, deep down Star Wars nerds. Yeah. Which, that doesn't exclude Dan. Dan has his own opinion <laughs> about this. Dan is a great Star Wars nerd. He's a phenomenal Star Wars nerd. But I would say that the people who are going to enjoy this the most are the ones who have deep Star Wars investment. And as Dan has proven, it won't be all of them, but I think that's where yeah. you're going to find the most of them. No, I, and, and the thing that is good about fandom is we can disagree. Yeah. You know, we can disagree. You know, for the longest time, I was not a fan of Phantom Menace. I did not own Phantom Menace until two years ago. I'll be honest. And it wasn't until after the Dave Filoni Insight stuff. Maybe it was a little bit more than two years ago. It, it It's then, after that, I'm like, okay, I'll go buy it. I have never owned it digitally or physically until after that. And then I went out and bought it. Because I just, it was not a film I enjoyed. The only yeah. part of it I enjoyed was the Duel of Fate scene. Amen. Uh, but Which is an epic scene. It is. Now it didn't suck. I do want to come back to that because watching that film and then watching Revenge of the Sith, I saw something that just blew my mind. And I definitely want to talk about that. Um, I know we don't have any time, but that will be another episode Sweet. where we can talk about that because there is a dual comparison between the end of that film and the end of Revenge of the Sith that I found very interesting. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but to my point, it's okay for us to disagree. It's okay that yes. I don't enjoy Andor. It's still a good. It's still an addition to the, the Star Wars series. There and you're still a Star Wars fan, Dan. Yes, I'm still a Star Wars. He's a fan. consummate was, Star Wars nerd. Yes, it, I, I, I will. I will 
pick Star Wars over Star Trek any day. Uh, <laughs> I will be a thorn in my parents' side for that one, too. Uh, but despite that, it is still an addition to Star Wars. And I will never tell anyone to hate it. I will never say you're wrong for having an opinion to like it. It's okay that I disagree because that's not my, my cup of tea. But it's Krebs' cup of tea, and it may be some of the, the you know some of our listeners' cup of tea. You know, I uh, guess we're going to be bringing you on soon. I know he loves the series, and he will definitely have a, a strong opinion about it as he has written uh, a lot of content uh, for Star Wars. Um, which I'm fascinated and excited to hear his point of view because uh, maybe it will change mine, but most likely it won't. Uh, so with that said, folks, we want to hear your opinion. We are so grateful that you continue to listen to our show. Please tell your friends about us. Uh, we want to bring more content as always. We love doing this show. We love having these type of debates. We love having authors and game designers on, and we are closing up uh, to our, our, our for the end of our our 14th year so yeah. uh, it's it, it's been a quite a ride for me um i know it's been a, a shorter ride for krebs and matai but uh we can we, we plan on st- sticking around for quite a while so Heck with that yeah. said pick the high ground and we'll catch you next time let your geek flag fly so say we all and whether you're rooting for the empire or the rebels always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you, always.